Chapter Twenty Six of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Elfrida spent five weeks with the Peach Blossom Company on their provincial tour, and in the end, the manager was sorry to lose her he was under the impression that she had joined them as an aspiring novice presumably able to gratify that or any other whim he had guessed that she was clever and could see that she was extremely good-looking before the month was out he was congratulating himself upon his perception much as rattray had a habit of doing and was quite ready to give elfrida every encouragement she wanted to embrace the burlesque stage seriously it was a thundering pity she hadn't voice enough for comic opera he had nothing to complain of the arrangement had been for a few weeks only and had cost him the merest trifle of travelling expenses but the day elfrida went back to town he was inclined to parley with her to discuss the situation and to make suggestions for her future plan of action his attitude of visible regret added another thrill to the joy the girl had in the thought of her undertaking it marked a point of her success she thought at least in so far as preliminaries went already as she shrank fastidiously into the corner of a third-class travelling carriage her project seemed to have reached its original and notable materialization chapters passed before her eyes as they do sometimes in dreams full of charm and beauty the book went through every phase of comedy and pathos always ringing true little half-formed sentences of admirable art rose before her mind and she hastily barred them out feeling that she was not ready yet and it would be mad misery to want them and to have forgotten them the thought of what she meant to do possessed her wholly though and she resigned herself to dreams of the most effective arrangement of her material the selection of her publisher the long midnight hours alone with buddha in which she should give herself up to the enthrallment of speaking with that voice which she could summon that elusive voice which she lived only only to be the medium for that precious voice which would be heard one day yes and listened to she was so freshly impressed with the new life-lights curious tawdry fascinating revolting above all sharp and undisguised of the world she had left that she saw them already projected with a verisimilitude which if she had possessed the art of it would have made her indeed famous her own power of realization assured her on this point nobody could see not divine but see as she did without being able to reproduce the one implied the other she fingered feverishly the strap of the little handbag in her lap and satisfied herself by unlocking it with a key that hung on a string inside her jacket it had two or three photographs of the women she knew among the company another of herself in her stage uniform a bill of the play her powder and rouge box a scrap of gold lace a young jew's letter full of blots and devotion a rather vulgar sapphire bracelet some artificial flowers and a quantity of slips of paper of all sizes covered with her own enigmatically rounded handwriting 
she put her hand in carefully and searched everything was there and up from the bag came a scent that made her shut her eyes and laugh with its power to bring her experiences back to her she locked it carefully again with a quivering sigh after all she would not have many hours to wait presently an idea came to her that she thought worth keeping and she thrust her hand into her pocket for paper and pencil she drew out a crumpled oblong scrap and wrote on the back of it then unlocked the bag again and put it carefully in before it had been only the check of the illustrated age for a fortnight's work now it was the record of something valuable the train rolled into a black and echoing station as the light in the carriage began to turn from the uncertain grayness that came in at the window to the uncertain yellowness that descended from the roof boys ran up and down the length of the platform in the foggy gaslit darkness shouting banbury cakes and newspapers elfrida hated banbury cakes but she had a consuming hunger and bought some she also hated english newspapers but lately some queer new notable australian things had been appearing in the st george's gazette cardiff had sent them to her and she selected this journal from the damp lot that hung over the newsboy's arm on the chance of a fresh one the doors were locked and the train hurried on elfrida ate two of her banbury cakes with the malediction that only this british confection can inspire and bestowed the rest upon a small boy who eyed her enviously over the back of an adjoining seat she and the small boy and his mother had the carriage to themselves there was nothing from the unusual australian contributor in this number of the st george's and elfrida turned its pages with the bored feeling of knowing what else she might expect parliamentary debates of course and the news of london five lines from america announcing the burning of a new york hotel with hideous loss of life an article on the situation in persia and one on the cultivation of artichokes money the seer of hawarden the foreign markets book reviews elfrida thought also that she knew what she might expect here and that it would be nothing very absorbing still with a sense of tasting criticism in advance she let her eye travel over the column or two of the paper devoted to three or four books of the week a moment later janet cardiff's name in the second paragraph had sprung at her throat it seemed to elfrida and choked her she could not see she could not see the print was so bad the light was infernal the carriage jolted so she got up and held the paper nearer to the lamp in the roof staying herself against the end of a seat as she read she grew paler and the paper shook in her hand one of the books of the year showing grasp of character and keen dramatic instinct a distinctly original vein too slender a plot for perfect symmetry but a treatment of situation at once nervous and strong were some of the commonplaces that said themselves over and over again in her mind as she sank back into her place by the window with the paper lying across her lap 
her heart beat furiously her head was in a whirl she stared hard for calmness into the swift passing night outside presently she recognized herself to be angry with an intense still jealous anger that seemed to rise and consume her in every part of her being a success of course it would be a success if janet wrote it she was not artistic enough to fail ah should janet's friend go so far as to say that she didn't know she would think afterwards but janet was of those who succeed and there were more ways than one of deserving success janet was a compromise she belonged really to the british public and the class of academy studies from the nude which were always draped just a little elfrida found a bitter satisfaction in this simile and elaborated it the book would be one to be commended for jeune fille and her lips turned down mockingly in the shadow she fancied some well-meaning critic saying it should be on every drawing-room table and she almost laughed outright she thought of a number of other little things that might be said of the same nature and equally amusing her anger flamed up again at the thought of how janet had concealed this ambition from her had made her in a way the victim of it it was not fair not fair she could have prepared herself against it she might have got her book ready sooner and its triumph might at least have come out side by side with janet's she was just beginning to feel that they were neck and neck in a way and now janet had shot so far ahead in a night in a paragraph she could never never catch up and from under her closed eyelids two hot tears started and ran over her cold cheeks it came upon her suddenly that she was sick with jealousy not envy but pure anger at being distanced and she tried to attack herself about it with a strong effort she heaped opprobrium and shame upon herself denounced herself tried to hate herself but she felt that it was all a kind of dumb show and that under it nothing could change the person she was or the real feeling she had about this nothing except being first ah then she could be generous and loyal and disinterested then she could be really a nice person to know she derided herself and as her foot touched the little handbag on the floor she took a kind of sullen courage which deserted her when she folded the paper on her lap and was struck again in the face with lash and black's advertisement on the outside page announcing janet's novel in letters that looked half a foot long then she resigned herself to her wretchedness till the train sped into the glare of paddington i hope you're not bad miss remarked the small boy's mother as they pushed toward the door together them banburys don't agree with everybody the effect upon elfrida was hysterical she controlled herself just long enough to answer with decent gravity 
and escaped upon the platform to burst into a silent quivering paroxysm of laughter that brought her overcharged feelings delicious relief and produced an answering smile on the face of a large good-looking policeman her laugh rested her calmed her and restored something of her moral tone she was at least able to resist the temptation of asking the boy at the bookstall where she bought john camberwell whether the volume was selling rapidly or not buddha looked on askance while she read it all night long and well into the morning she reached the last page and flung down the book in pure physical exhaustion with the framework of half a dozen reviews in her mind when she awoke at two in the afternoon she decided that she must have another day or two of solitude she would not let the cardis know she had returned quite yet three days afterwards the illustrated age published a review of john camberwell which brought an agreeable perplexity to messrs lash and black it was too good to compress and their usual advertising space would not contain it all it was almost passionately appreciative here and there the effect of the criticism was obviously marred by the desire of the writer to let no point of beauty or of value escape divination quotations from the book were culled like flowers with a delicate hand and there was conspicuous care in the avoidance of any phrase that was hackneyed any line of criticism that custom had impoverished it seemed that the writer fashioned a tribute and strove to make it perfect in every way and so perfect it was so cunningly devised and gracefully expressed with such a self-conscious beauty of word and thought that its extravagance went unsuspected and the interest it provoked was its own janet read the review in a glow of remorseful affection she was appealed to less by the exquisite manipulation with which the phrases strove to say the most and the best than by the loyal haste to praise she saw behind them and she forgave their lack of blame in the happy belief that elfrida had not the heart for it she was not in the least angry that her friend should have done her the injustice of what would have been less adroitly managed indiscriminate praise in fact she hardly thought of the value of the critique at all so absorbed was she in the sweet sense of the impulse that made elfrida write it to janet's quick forgiveness it made up for everything indeed she found in it a scourge for her anger for her resentment elfrida might do what she pleased janet would never cavil again she was sure now of some real possession in her friend but she longed to see elfrida to assure herself of the warm verity of this besides she wanted to feel her work in her friend's presence to extract the censure that was due to take the essence of praise from her eyes and voice and hand but she would wait she had still no right to know that elfrida had returned and an odd sensitiveness prevented her from driving instantly to essex court to ask 
the next day passed and the next lawrence cardiff found no reason to share his daughter's scruples and went twice to meet mrs jordan on the threshold with the implacable statement that miss bell had returned but was not at home he found it impossible to mention elfrida to janet now kendall had gone back to devonshire to look after the thinning of a bit of his woodlands one thing after another claimed his attention there janet had a gay note from him now and then always en camarade in which he deplored himself in the character of an intelligent landowner but in which she detected also a growing interest and satisfaction in all that he was finding to do janet saw it always with a throb of pleasure his art was much to her but the sympathy that bound him to the practical side of his world was more though she would not have confessed it she was unconsciously comforted by the sense that it was on the warm bright comprehensible side of his interest in life that she touched him and that elfrida did not touch him the idea of the country house in devonshire excluded elfrida and it was an exclusion janet could be happy in conscientiously since elfrida did not care End of chapter 26